0: No purchase necessary void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: For my whole life, I didn't know if I even really existed. But I do.
0: And people are starting to notice. You think this is funny? (laughs) (laughs) Is this a joke to you?
1: Murray, one small thing. Yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? In Todd Phillips' Joker, it was up to makeup department head Nikki Lederman and hair department head Kay Giorgio to transform Joaquin Phoenix's Arthur Fleck into the Joker. And as they shared in a recent behind-the-screen interview, conducted via phone, this was no easy challenge. Joaquin himself described this work as wrangling a coyote. Lederman's credits include The Irishman, The Greatest Showman, and The Devil Wears Prada, while Giorgio's recent work includes The Post, Thor Ragnarok, and Steven Spielberg's upcoming West Side Story. This year, the pair are nominated for their first Academy Awards in makeup and hairstyling, alongside the teams from Bombshell, Judy, Maleficent Mistress of Evil, and 1917. I'm Carolyn Giardina. Welcome to The Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Would you describe how the hair and makeup evolves as Arthur Fleck slowly transforms into Joker?
2: Sure. So we meet Joker. Well, actually, we meet Arthur Fleck at first. um, And he portrays a working clown. So we have a clown look for him that then evolves into the clown that gets beaten up and all bloodied up. And out of that entire concept of that clown makeup, He evolves into the Joker, which is more like a rebirth of that um, original clown look into more um, manical clown design to then the resurrection where he gets pulled out of the car, all smeared and bloody to reveal his big Joker smile in the end. So it's like about four to five looks for Joaquin for the Joker.
3: Yes, so the first meeting was uh, to discuss what Arthur would look like. Joaquin came along with uh, with quite long hair, which was grey. Uh, it scripted that Arthur would was had very dark brown hair, and that's what Todd wanted. So I needed to dye his hair to make it that dark brown color. And then, as far as the look for Arthur went. There were several discussions between Todd and Joaquin as to what that look should be. Uh, They discussed hair length. They discussed textures. And out of all of that, the thing that came across the strongest was that he should look like he hasn't done anything to his hair, like it's not been freshly cut, not freshly washed, um, and certainly that his hair is not his main priority. So we went through a couple of different cuts to get it to the length that felt right. And it was a a length that Joaquin felt comfortable with as Arthur, Todd approved the look. And then when he becomes Joker, that was right from the very first meeting, Todd was, well, when he's Joker, he has green hair. But it was never a discussion, should he change the style once he becomes Joker? It was literally, he goes from, brown hair and then he dyes it green. So that was a very natural transition to make.
2: When we first met with Todd um, prior to shooting, he showed us a picture of a mock-up design that he and Joaquin came up with that they thought would be a great inspiration on what the Joker should look like. And then it was really for me to kind of translate that concept and work out texture, colors, and what was quite extraordinary, actually, for um, going through that process of the design was that we had an incredibly close and supportive collaboration with other departments. Like, obviously, K and I, hair and makeup, we had to work really close together. But it was also wardrobe and production design and cinematography because of the terms of texture and colors and mood and... And, and if I remember correctly, wasn't Larry even
3: in a couple of those very early yes. makeup tests? Yeah. Lawrence Shearer was our cinematographer and he was present at some of the earliest makeup tests that were done with Joaquin.
2: And he and that, that and that collab- collaboration was so important because, you know, we we everybody gave their input. Everybody gave, you know, their ideas And because of that wonderful collaboration, we came up with, you know, the whole look of the film, not only the design, but but pretty much everything. And it was really important to have that collaboration so that colors and textures would complement each department. Like when actors would come in for a wardrobe meeting, Mark Bridges, our costume designer, would always invite us to every um, fitting that he would have with his actors so we could see the textures and the colors of the fabrics that he would put the actress in just so that everything that he was doing, we could complement or or vice versa. When we showed him like, OK, we're going to use these colors and we're going to do it like this. So everybody could see what the other was doing. So, I mean, in a way, that's kind of the only way to paint a really beautiful picture that seems like it was done by one hand in order to kind of successfully create an image for the screen. You know, it's like it needs to look like it comes from one vision and not many visions. Scrambled together because then it becomes confusing and not realistic anymore. Because this movie is about reality; it's not a superhero movie. It doesn't have super villains, super powers. You know, it's it takes place in the real world, and it was really important that that is conveyed—the organic reality of the story. And so the visuals had to, you know, had to go with that. Get away from that man.
0: It's okay. I'm a good guy. What are you doing? Who are you? I'm here to see Mr. Wayne. Well, you shouldn't be speaking to his son. Why did you give him these flowers? No, they're not real. It's magic. I'm just trying to make him a smile. Well, it's not funny, is it? Do I need to call the police? No, please. My mother's name is Penny, Penny Fleck. She used to work here years ago. Can you please tell Mr. Wayne I need to see him? You're her son. Yeah. Did you know her?
1: Would you describe the classic clown look that we see early in the film?
2: Yeah, the classic clown look is, well, first I have to add, you know, to come up with a new concept for a clown design is actually very difficult because there are so many clown looks out there already. And believe it or not, every single one is copywritten. So when you come up with a design, you have to go through the copyrights issue of getting it approved, meaning you have to make sure that you come up with a design that nobody else has done before. Otherwise, you know, because you don't have the rights to it. So that in itself was a challenge. But but to go back to the look for the design, it's like it had to be kind of like reminiscing a very classic clown look that wasn't, you know, threatening. It was just like a really relatable, classic clown look. And to make it unique, we we used, you know, specialized colors and textures. And it had to be also a look that we could then transform into the Joker look that became a version of that clown look, but in a more messy, smeared, manic way. Our clown look is very symmetric, you know, and the Joker look is very asymmetric, even though it's kind of the same design. But, you know, so the initial design had to be an original clown look that is reminiscent to a nostalgic clown look but unique so we wouldn't get into copyright problems. Yeah
3: and I, I seem to remember there was a drawing that I think it was Todd and Joaquin looked at together and the original look for the working clown was a bald cap with a straight spiky hair at the sides just like two two spikes of hair sticking out that were green and that was the first look and and we pretty much copied that from the original photograph or the the original concept. I think it was a drawing um, that was presented. The only thing that changed was that instead of it being spiky at the sides, it was curly hair because nearly every clown wig that I found when I was looking at clown wigs that you could just buy, you know, working that, that, you know, somebody who was a party clown might go and buy off the shelf. Most of the hair that I was looking at was, was curly. So I just tried one on that was curly. And everyone said that was in the room at that very early fitting, which was Todd, Larry, Joaquin, Nikki, myself, Everyone just said, yeah, the, the curly's good.
2: Let's go for the curly. Because, yeah, because it was kind of more reminiscing to the nostalgic clown, too. Which right. felt more real and more relatable in many ways. Right. Also, we took an impression of Joaquin's head to kind of make our own cap, to create something on our own. And I think the f- initial cap that we made, we punched in, just in our cool effects um, guy uh, out of LA, yeah. he punched in straight hair and we tried that and we Didn't like it as much as all the commercial wigs that you can actually buy with a curly hair because the curly hair felt more realistic and real versus the straight hair felt almost like a little bit too menacing. And I think it was really important that that working clown is not looking like a threatening clown because, you know, a lot of people are afraid of clowns. So it was really important to keep that working clown as kind of innocent and nostalgic in a good way, rather than a scary way. And I think the straight hair kind of was mm. was making the clown a bit too scary looking. That's yes. why also it felt better to have that curly hair. That's right for him.
3: So Justin ended up gluing, Glu- we're
2: gluing it on, gluing
3: right? the um, the curly hair for his working clown balding cap. cap. Um, he glued the uh, the hair which I which I bought and just gave to him. And then he glued it on to that bald cap for his working clown look.
1: Nikki, while accepting an award for the film at the recent Makeup Artists and Hairstylist Guild Awards, you said that according to Joaquin, you quote, wrangled a coyote. Would you tell us about working with the actor and how you continue to do touch ups during production?
2: Yeah. So it was really funny when when I got the, you know, when actually when we got the nominations for the BAFTAs, Joaquin texted us immediately, like being so happy for us and saying, you guys really deserved this because you guys wrangled a coyote. And I thought like, oh, my God, what a perfect thing to say, because he truly was like a coyote. You know, when we first met him and Kay had worked with him before. I never worked with him before. So my very first meeting with him was like, you know, hi, I'm Joaquin and I basically want to apologize in advance. It's going to be difficult and and, and don't take anything personal. I'm you know, I just don't like to be touched and I can't sit still and it's not going to be easy. So I want to apologize in advance. And I I thought to myself, oh, well, how hard can it be? I mean, we work with actors all the time and, you know, we we've done our fair share of like difficulties with handling and wrangling actors. But, you know, it was really true. It was really hard for him. I mean, you know, as an actor who has to portray a character with psychological issues and the whole subject matter of the movie, I mean, you can't help but going in full method in order to, you know, go through it and and, and be able to pull off a performance. And he gave a remarkable performance, but it came with the price of, Although seeming difficult to others, it was a process and it was really hard for us. You know, he wouldn't sit still in the chair. Kay and I had to double team with him. He lost a lot of weight. He lost fifty pounds to, you know, play this part which is unbelievable. And of course he was hungry all the time. And how could he not be? He was so skinny and you know, we had to, you know, have our little tricks that we do, like bribe him with pretzels, you know, to get him to come back to let us touch him up, you know. I mean, it was difficult. And It's also difficult because you have to do a job and you have to, you know, match continuity because, you know, when you shoot a film, you never shoot everything in order. You shoot, you know, one scene one day, then you go back to the scene a few weeks later and you do other scenes in between. So there are direct cuts sometimes that are weeks apart that we have to match. And when you have like an elaborate, free painted makeup On an actor, and to match it all the time, you need time. You need to have the actor in your chair so you can do your job. And it it was not easy with Joaquin because you know he couldn't sit still. He didn't want to be in the chair, and it's not because he hated us. It's just like that was his process, and in a way, that process was helpful because it prevented us from doing like that precise job that we are so used to do. You know, we always want to do our best job, and this is just one of those jobs where. The makeup has to be organic. The hair has to be organic. It can't be perfect. It needs to look like somebody did it himself. And, you know, there were scenes where Joaquin had to do some of the makeup himself. So it all had to be fluent from his hand to my hand, you know, to the end picture of it. So in a way, it was perfect that that was Joaquin's process. But I have to admit, it was it was very, very challenging. It was very, very hard. But in the end of the day, Like no other actor, he was so grateful for putting up with it, you know, and in a way that in itself was a really unique collaboration to have, even though it was really hard. Well,
1: let's talk about how you handled the touch ups during production, because I know in some situations you didn't have the right lighting, for example. I mean, how did you just wrangle him and handle the process?
2: So as an example for what we what we were doing when when we had to wrangle Joaquin and touching up, there was the scene where he does this beautiful dance in the bathroom. He, you know, dances and then it goes on where he starts washing off his face, his makeup. And that's how the scene ends. And because it was all shot in one take, we had to reset that scene over and over and over. And I think we did it like all in on like 15 or 16 times. And Joaquin wanted to get it all done on set. So what we had to do, was, which was crazy, normally we would take an actor back into the trailer and start all over again and reset him and do it. But we had to do it literally on the side of the set on an Apple box while Kate was standing there with a iPhone to shine the light on me. While she had a photo in the other hand to show me the photo of his makeup so I can match it because it had to match to the scene where he kills the subway guys that we had shot already, I think a couple of weeks prior to that. And, you know, and we had to do it really fast in five minutes because it was really hard for him to sit still. And it was like an intense scene. So you can imagine how intense he was. And, you know, he just wanted to like get going, get going. Are you done? Are you done? You know? And, and it was wild that we had to do everything on the side of the set on an Apple box in the dark with a cell phone as a light and, and repeating, painting him over and over and over and over again until we got the scene. So these were like examples of how we had to work with him, you know, to get things done, which was, it was difficult. But, you know, it was the nature of the beast for that particular
0: job. You're serious, aren't you? You're telling us you killed those three young men on the subway? hmm And why should we believe you?
1: I got nothing left to lose. Nothing can hurt me anymore. <laughs> My life is nothing but a comedy.
0: Well, let me get this straight. You think that killing those guys is funny? I do. And I'm tired of pretending it's not. Comedy is subjective, Murray. Isn't that what they say? All of you, the system that knows so much, you decide what's right or wrong the same way that you decide what's funny. Or not.
1: In the later half of the film, there's also scenes where, you know, his makeup is smearing, and, and then there's the scene where there's blood splattered on his face. Would you talk about how you kept continuity in those scenes?
2: Okay, when we had to deal with blood, he was just painted. In, in the scene where he kills the big clown with the scissors, we... Painted his face white. So we started off the the scene with his white face and, you know, the green drippings from the hair dye, the the dried, you know, streaks on his body from the dried hair dye. Um, And what we did, we shot a couple of scenes first with just the white, and then we pulled him and I literally just went wild with the splattering of the blood. I poured a bunch of blood in my hand and I just flicked it with my finger. I flicked it all over him. And he was then taken to our uh, visual effects team who then scanned him in so that whenever they needed to use something that we couldn't get with the blood, that they could then replicate our practical blood and, and match it to what we had done. It was, it's, it's a time constraint, you know, you had to work really, really fast. So there was not time to reset him and take off the blood and put it back on. So that's the way we had to do it, you know, get him clean first and then do the whole blood splatter, scan him and then move on from there i do think one of the other scenes that was difficult to shoot or
3: maybe not difficult to shoot but certainly challenging was a scene where all of the rioters are on the subway and the two detectives get shot and that was because if i've got this right the subway was live it was um yes. you know it was a working subway at the time so we were we had a lot of extras we had Joaquin dressed as the Joker. We had yeah, um, clowns. a lot of clowns in that. And we also had the, the general public. So quite often we'd be on the set and we'd look around and, you know, like we'd lose Joaquin or we'd lose the detectives or, or we'd lose the director, you know, because it was it was there was so much going on that I think that in it that was quite a challenging scene to shoot as well. I think it's always challenging when you're shooting in, in the streets of New York and you know, you've got uh, civilians as well as the crew and the extras. There's always a lot going on, and that always makes anything a challenge.
1: Also, on the continuity, would you talk about what you had to do just for when his makeup smears and when the green dye from his hair begins to fall onto his
2: face? Was that additionally digital tools? Actually, for the green, no, there was no digital tools whatsoever. When he dyes his hair, it kind of like was like it wasn't reading properly the way they had it scripted at first. It wasn't really reading the green on the hair. And that's actually a really awesome thing that was possible on this movie. A collaboration thing where, where Todd actually let us give him our own input because it was Kay's brilliant idea. Why don't we just use some green in a bottle and let it and, and Joaquin should just pour it all over him because the green will just drip everywhere and it and you will really see the green. And so what we did, I just took a little bit of water soluble makeup and and watered it down with water. We put it in a bottle and then we gave it to Joaquin. And then in the scene, which was very much improvised actually, he takes that green and just pours it all over his head. And that's how the whole all the green started pouring, running down his face. So the only thing we had to do really after that scene, Kay had to put on the wig to match the green, and I had to, you know just match the green streaks on his bodies for when he paints his face white in the mirror. And I can't remember now, did we
3: have to rematch the green on his body? Yes, we did. So, and that was shot over how many days?
2: It was like two days or something? Yeah, it was
3: like two, maybe two. Maybe
2: two or three days?
3: Yeah. So it was matching, because where he dyes his hair, we did that in one one day. And I think it was, I think there were a few different shots. But it was all done. It was one shot after another. And where the green dye landed on his shoulders. And his chest and, and his, his chest, back. Nikki took photographs of it and then just matched it freehand when they had to reshoot it. And, or not reshoot it, when we but had to continue. continue. And then from that, when he was seen to be dyeing his hair green, from that moment on, I had the wig on him. So he never had to re-pour the colour on his head. Correct.
1: And as I understand it, it was also a bit of trial and error as far as what shade of green you used as I believe it was originally described to you as broccoli.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It was producing a lot of samples. There were several different samples. Once it was decided, it was in a very early meeting with um, Nikki, myself, Mark Bridges, the costume designer and Todd and Emma. And we all met and it was decided, you know, Todd told us that once he becomes Joker, it's going to be green. He wants his hair to be green. And then it came up, what color green should it be? And it was Mark Bridges, the costume designer, who said, well, I think it should be a shade of broccoli green. And then it was, OK, well, what shade of broccoli green should it be? So I just ended up making several different color samples of that green. On different strands of hair. And I showed them to Todd, and Todd
2: was the one that picked the shade of green he wanted it to be. And then from that green, once we had the green picked, we matched the green hair dye to what we actually used in the bottle. In the bottle for what we actually used for the color of his wig, because we had to use that same color to color in his sideburns, because the sideburns. Were his own sideburns and the wig was sort of blended into his sideburns. So we had to actually color the sideburns to match the wig. So I used the same color that we used on the sideburns to use as the hair dye.
1: Would you tell us what it was like working with Todd Phillips and also some of the other department heads that you collaborated with?
2: You know, I was really grateful to be part of this movie because Todd did such an amazing job writing an incredible script and having an incredible vision. And I have to say the one thing that was really great about Todd is that he allowed input from every department to create his Joker. And that was really amazing. Yeah, he
3: wanted input from from every department. He certainly wanted input from Nikki and myself. If there was an idea that he had, he was very clear about what he wanted, which is very, very helpful. You know, the clearer anyone can be with you then the more likelihood you're going to have at succeeding in giving them the look that they want for their movie.
2: And it's and it's his project. There was an instant, remember when we started, we, we already shot one scene where Joaquin was in the Joker makeup. And then Todd had a second thought about the eyebrows. And he thought like, oh my God, oh my God, maybe it was a mistake to have him have red eyebrows. I think I want to get rid of the eyebrows. I think I want to get rid of the eyebrows. And I thought like, oh my God, he has to keep those eyebrows, you know? And it was like, You know, for me as a makeup person, I usually try to give the director what he needs, but I felt really like, oh my God, no, he needs those eyebrows. And he was very good in like hearing me and listening to me why I thought he should keep the eyebrows. And, you know, that kind of like respecting another department that works under you, I thought. That was really amazing. And I was very appreciative of that, that he was like letting us have so much input and trust because, you know, he didn't hire us. It was Emma who hired us. We were basically must hires. We never met him before. He didn't really know us. We we came fresh from the Irishman. And, you know, it was like another thing. Like he, he, he worked with us without being the one who actually hired us. So that, I have to say, was really great about Todd for being you know open to you know comments open to creating something together and that was really incredible <laughs>
1: what's so funny
0: just <laughs> <laughs>
3: Tell it
1: to me. How has the award season been for you both so far?
2: Incredibly overwhelming. To be honest, I never thought that hair and makeup would actually be considered for an award because it was such a unique job. Because, you know, when when it comes to makeup, it's, you know, it's always the effects people get it because they're doing all this amazing, elaborate work. And to throw us in the mix, like our messy like you know paint job we're more like the crazy artists versus like the incredible you know skilled technicians that know everything about prosthetics we're like the the total opposite to be thrown in in a mix with them was like wow this is incredible but yeah really overwhelming but i'm also at the same time i'm really 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 happy that joker has been recognized as being one of the greatest movies because The subject alone is such an important subject. You know, it's like it it talks about mental illness. It talks about society not taking care of its own. And it's kind of what's going on right now in the world. And, you know, people need to wake up and to create like this beautiful, because I kind of consider it as an art movie more than a mainstream blockbuster hit. It is like I'm really proud to be part of it. And I'm so happy for everybody that got recognized for their work. I agree with Nikki. It's been overwhelming so far. <laughs> very honored,
3: very thrilled, but very overwhelmed. What you said about the film was interesting. Would each of
1: you share what your favorite scene was and why?
2: I think my favorite personal scene is the bathroom scene. I mean, when, you know, it was, very, like I said, very much improvised to hear on set that beautiful piece of music and then Joaquin doing this incredible dance to it. It's like we all, literally the whole crew was standing around watching the monitors and everybody had goosebumps. It was like unbelievable. It, it You felt like you were in like some mysterious fantasy theater. It was beautiful because it kind of took you out of the story. It was just like, all of a sudden you saw this mesmerizing art piece in front of you. And you had no idea where the hell that came from. All of a sudden, you know, it was it was amazing. That was to me, my favorite scene. That was my favorite scene. So beautiful. And I I think
3: I've got to agree with Nikki. I thought that's my favorite scene. I have to say, I do. I really get a kick of watching him dance down those stairs. I just I think he does it so well. And it suddenly he brings us something across its of, like, suddenly he's free. The confidence, right?
2: That yes. confidence. Yeah. This dance oozes confidence and, and liberation that was so, like, fun to watch. It was like, wow. Though having
3: said that, I, as far as the filming went, that was something else because if, if Joaquin was at the top of the stairs, I found myself at the bottom. If he was <laughs> at the bottom of the <laughs> stairs, I found myself at the top. So all I can say is that we all got a great deal of exercise while that scene was being shot. Nikki got the exercise. <laughs> I got the exercise. The
2: wardrobe people got the exercise. We all Everybody. Did a lot it of funny.
3: exercise. But it, it, it was fun. It was, and it was a good scene to shoot as well because I think all of the crew got the impression that it would be a, a scene that would be remembered while we were shooting it. I, I'm pretty sure because it, it's such a spectacular location as
2: well yeah it's like a dark movie with a lot of intensity you know which was like it was it was like an intense shoot because of the subject matter but then to have that scene on the stairs was kind of again like the liberation it was like it was like refreshing in many ways that's true i agree
1: well congratulations on your nomination and thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us
3: thank you so much thank you very much